This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. I'm very grateful and appreciative that you're coming back if this is not your first time. And if it is your first time listening, welcome. You are in for a treat. Today, we're having a conversation with Don Estelle Archer, who is a fitness influencer that I have followed for probably seven years. And just very big on body positivity. She, I mean, even her background as an influencer is pretty amazing because she literally started by having classes in parking lots. So if you want to talk about not having excuses or not making excuses, this woman is the queen of that. And I followed her through that journey of growing her classes, growing her following. Uh, Eventually, she did get a physical studio. Actually, she's had two physical studios. Um, But part of the reason that I wanted to have her on, besides talking about her entrepreneurial endeavors, is she was also very public about her HIV-positive diagnosis a few years ago, which just, in my mind, took an incredible amount of courage, bravery, and I thought, she did and has handled herself with so much grace that how could I not want to have a conversation with her and share that with as many people as possible and share her with as many people as possible. So you are certainly in for a treat for so many reasons. And also, if this gives you any indication of who she is as a person, you will hear me reference this a couple times throughout the podcast, but Estelle and I had an entire interview And I was thanking her. We were about to get off the Zoom. And then I realized that I had not pressed record for that entire interview. So then she proceeded to sit there for another 45 to actually longer than that, 55 minutes for a whole other interview. I was very appreciative of her grace, her kindness, and her patience. So again, I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. I have links to her website Uh, in the show notes because like I said you can work out with her she is an accountability coach she does screen printing I actually am super excited because I ordered one of her sweatshirts which is this neon pink one that says sweat uh, because your girl loves well I don't know if I love to sweat but I certainly do sweat got that from my daddy thanks dad Um, but anyway that's an aside I digress so linking to all of her stuff in the show notes so you can go check her out and please go look at her Instagram. You're in for a treat. So the other announcement I wanted to make before jumping into this episode, well actually two announcements. One is you already know that we have an Instagram account for the podcast which is Breaking Labels Podcast but we also now have a website which is BreakingLabelsPodcast.com. You know, trying to keep it simple, y'all. So the pot, the website, excuse me, is great because if you have someone that you want to share the episode or the podcast with who does not want to listen to it on iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio, you can just share the website with them. And let's just call, you know, maybe sometimes it might be 
a family member who doesn't have a smartphone. And I know that might sound crazy, but personally, my parents do not have a smartphone. So I might have started the website just so my mom and daddy can listen to the podcast. Um, But yeah, so the link to the website is in the show notes. And then the last announcement is that our partner for this episode is True Supplements. So True Supplements is spelled T-R-U, and it is a line of vegan supplements that I found uh, maybe a year ago. I wanted vegan protein that had fun flavors because when I made the switch from whey protein to vegan protein, the one issue or complaint I had was that vegan proteins did not have nearly as fun of flavors as whey proteins. I mean, whey protein, you get stuff like birthday cake and orange creamsicle, which for the record, I would never drink orange creamsicle, but it's still cool that that was an option. You don't usually get flavor options like that in vegan protein, but with true supplements, you get flavor options like banana maple muffin, peanut butter banana. I believe they have a blueberry cobbler one as a part of their dessert series. So I was super excited to try it, really enjoyed it, love their dessert series, But they also have more than just protein. You can go on for the metabolism booster or their vegan BCAAs. I almost said that wrong, but that's basically branch chain amino acids. Really great for uh, using when you're working out. They have a whole host of supplements. I highly encourage you to check them out, even if they were not a partner of the episode. But because they are, if you go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code breaking labels, all one word, then you get 5% off of your order. So it's an option. Okay, with that, let's get into the conversation with Don Estelle. No, it's fine. So I'm Don Estelle Archer. So Estelle is my middle name. Okay. Do you have one that you prefer to go by? Nope, either one. Okay. Okay. So um, thank you again for- No problem. You do this again, not just the <laughs> time, but twice. So I reached out to you because I have followed you for a long time and I know that you have a huge following um, as a fitness influencer or as a fitness instructor, which would you prefer to be called? Um, Anyone is fine with me. I do a lot. So screen printer one day, fitness influencer, instructor the next day, whichever one I guess I'm doing at the time is fine with me. Okay. So woman of many trades. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do generalize everything usually with under the umbrella of fitness. So what's that? Um, the jack, jack of all trades. So Estelle of all trades. Yeah. That's what call you. So okay. Estelle of all trades. Um, I'm very big on bo- body positivity. Actually, can we start there? Because I really love yeah. your story of, of how you got into fitness, why you got into fitness. Because I just think it resonates so much with so many people. Yeah, sure. Um, I got into fitness because I was really depressed. I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. I had just finished college. And I, were you about to ask me something? No, I just didn't know that you were in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I lived in Atlanta. I went to school in Atlanta. So I lived out there for about um, five years. And I stayed after I graduated from college. Um, And I was really depressed. I was working at a company as a graphic designer in corporate America. And the politics were just overwhelming and just seemed very unfair. And um, my depression was just getting worse. So I started 
walking places instead of driving places. And that is how I got started into fitness because it just felt good to be outside and to move and to get my body moving. So I was drawn to fitness that way. It's funny. I, um, prior to COVID, I was, um, at a job where I was on the road all the time. Like most of my days, work days were spent, you know, behind the steering wheel for about eight to 10 hours a day. And, um, never had any use for walking, was kind of annoyed by it. Just thought it was like dumb. If I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to run. I have to like do all these hours of cardio. And then when COVID happened, I started going for walks and it is now my favorite part of the day. Like I get annoyed if I can't get out and go for a walk because it is just the most relaxing thing ever. Yeah. It makes a big difference to get outside. I try to take the kids outside a few times a day. Um, my friend's kids that I'm staying with just so they can get a little bit of that sunlight, come back inside, get back to what we're working on, get focused. It's so much easier to focus after that too. It is. Yeah. You have to take breaks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and especially now I live in, in right outside of Boston. So it gets dark at four 30. So now like if I can sneak away during my work day and go for a walk at two when it's still pretty out, like my yeah. mood changes for the rest of the day. Yeah. Especially being there. Cause as you got all that snow now. So that's <laughs> right gloomy now, sky. But it's coming. Yeah. So, okay. So you started walking. So it wasn't like you, you started like, I'm going to lose X amount of pounds or I want this. It was just walking. Yeah. It was purely for depression relief, anxiety relief. Um, I didn't think I could lose any weight. I had tried a lot of fad programs and diets and I didn't think I, it was possible. I just assumed this was my body type. It's just how I'm going to be. And I just, I don't know what secrets people are using to lose weight and I'm just going to be like this forever. But after I started consistently walking and consistently exercising and eating better so that I could do more of the exercise, I saw a difference and I realized, okay, this is possible. Um, but yeah, that's how I started just by getting outside and walking to the store instead of driving. And at what point did you start teaching your classes? How we, how do we go from walking more to, I'm going to teach other people how to do exercises. Yeah. So I was working out at the gym and I was taking different classes with a particular teacher and I followed her to all the gyms that she taught at. And I kind of fell in love with Zumba and the dance fitness world. And I was not happy at work. Um, I decided to put my resignation in when I was told that I wasn't valued or I didn't bring value to the team. And I resigned right after we had that conversation and I moved home and started teaching in a parking lot. And I figured I want to continue these workouts. So the best way for me to do that is for me to teach them and know the routines. And then I started to make up my own routine. And that is kind of how it goes. Where did the confidence come from to do that? Because one, to take being told you're not valuable, like how old were you when that happened? I was, it was 2012. So I'm 34 now. I'm not great at math. I'm struggling. Um, I think 20 something. <laughs> yes, I was 20 something. Um, I was always a hustler. I was always determined I'm, I've always been like if I want to do something I do it um, so I don't know I just I just did it I don't know how I just made it happen I didn't know if people were going to come but I knew the feeling it gave me and I know that I needed to continue and that's kind of how it is today still even though people enjoy it if they don't 
then I still am going to get my workout. I'm still going to get my therapy. And that's how it started. In order for me to continue, I need to continue working out. If people want to join me, that's great. And if they don't, I'm still going to do it. Amen. I'm still, I just really applaud that because I, I don't know that I would have had, I know I would have because I stayed at the same company for 12 years. Um, even though I, I, there, there were moments where I felt like, oh, I think I should move on. And I didn't, I, I was scared. I was very, very scared too. So I just think it's pretty impressive that you were like, you know what? I don't necessarily have a job lined up, but I'm quitting and I'm yeah. not doing this. Yeah, I guess, you know, I had a conversation with one of my coworkers and he says, okay, what if you work harder every single day and you do more at work yet, your pay is controlled by someone else and it is not guaranteed to change based on how much work you do. But imagine working and knowing that if you work more, you will be rewarded more for your work. Mm. And it's not just making one person, the CEO of this company wealthy, but it's making everybody around you wealthy because you're giving them gifts and you're giving them inspiration and you're giving them products. So for me, it was a matter of, I can stay in this one place, and make the big man money, have fight for holidays and time off and all of these things, or I could risk everything and go and work and bust my tail and stay up all night and know that if I get this done, there's going to be a reward at the end of that. And then I'm also going to be helping people. I struggle with jobs that are not directly helping a person live better. Um, I don't like to just do something that it's going to meet a deadline. I want to make sure that like everything I do is helping someone else live a better life. So that was part of the, my thought process as well. Can I tell you, I mean, I wish I'd had a coworker like that. that. That's some great advice because when you said that, I was like, well, heck, I don't know why you would stay there after hearing that. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I think he saw my potential. And so that was awesome. So, so then you moved home to Virginia and you started teaching yeah. in the, um, the park. So even walk me through that. I guess that could be self-explanatory. But instead of waiting to see if you could get in a gym somewhere as an instructor, you just thought, no, nope. parking lots. How much of a following did you have at that point to, to like, how did you get the word out to people like, hey, I'm teaching a class in a parking lot today? I only had around 20,000 when only? I... <laughs> Well, now it seems like a a small amount, but when I moved home from Atlanta um, and then it grew as I posted the workouts and posted my my body transforming. Um, And yeah, it it like kind of slowly grew. And you asked me another question at first, the first part of this question, but I forgot. I did too. It's okay. Well, I know that before I started my tour, I was around 75,000. And when I started the tour, I was at 100,000 because I said, if I hit 100,000, I'll go on tour. So I was around 70. So between 20 and 75 was that time period between when I started teaching classes in the parking lot and then actually going on the tour. I think it was what made you decide to do the parking lot instead of going through the the gym. Oh, yes. Um, I knew that the um, flexibility of schedule, uh, music, um, also not being certified. I wasn't certified when I first started. Um, I didn't want to go into a gym and then pay me $30 an hour for come and teach a class when I could go into a parking lot and have more people come and pay $5 each and then make more money. Mm -hmm. So it was all of those factors combined. Um, I think 
if you have an idea, like say you're, I don't know, an architect and you can go work for a firm and you'll probably get some business sent your way, but you can also be freelance and you can attract your own people and then you can have control over your work and all those things. I think that is just like my mindset and not saying one is better than the other Mm -hmm. because different, different structures of work, life balance are different for everybody. But for me and my lifestyle, the entrepreneur route was the way to go. Um, now I'll get a job if I need it. If, I, if my money gets low and I feel like I need some more stability, I'll get a job. I have absolutely no problem doing that. But for right now, this is what works and this is what is, is working for me. So That's awesome. How do you, I'm, can we go back to, cause I'm still amazed by these numbers because I literally have like 500 followers, which I'm weird. How do you get to 20,000? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was on Instagram. I started my Instagram in 2011. Back then, a lot of pages were doing, like there were a lot of fitness pages that were just getting started and people would say, hey, here's, you know, this person, look at their transformation. Here's this person. It's not like how it is now where people are selling products and, um, you know, charging for everything and shout out for shout out. It was, Mm. oh, I like what this girl is doing. I'm going to post her and then people find out about me or people were telling their friends, go follow her. Um, It's completely different than what it is now. It was more organic um, and more, um, how do you say, less cheesy so much. And, you know, now it's kind of cheesy, the whole fitness world on Instagram, because a lot of people are selling products and waist trainers and shakes and supplements and not saying they don't work for people, but it wasn't like that when it first started, it was merely, let me follow somebody who, when they pop up my timeline, it's going to inspire me. And I think that's kind of, and I've always been really transparent and I've been told that that is also what draws people to my story and to my page and keeps people there. It's because I'm very honest about things I go through or things I deal with or come in, in contact with. And so um, I think that that's helped people not feel so much alone as well. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. But, and I, I actually, um, when you were saying, and I realized, I think I started following you. So my boyfriend at the time, this is when I lived in Memphis. Oh, wow. I've been following you for a long time. I think it was like 2014, 2000. Yeah. It so 2014 was tour. So most people like know like these events. So that was when I was on the tour before the tour yeah. okay so it had to be yeah. i don't know 13 it might have been actually now that you said it, it might have been just a couple years after you'd even started your instagram um but again i was drawn to you because and my friend told me it was actually my my boyfriend at the time it was his sister and she was like you gotta follow this girl she's so positive she has a real body and she's she loves fitness but she's approachable and I was like, oh, okay, I need this. Because I was, I'd, I'd gotten really into um, following like a lot of physique models, but there was a lot of like what you just said, where it's a certain product. And on the one hand, and in, in like, at first I was like, oh, this is really inspirational, but sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it actually kind of made me feel worse about myself. And you forget like, yeah. oh, I may not look like her, but I'm still in good shape. And watching you made me realize that like, okay, you can be in phenomenal shape and still have a womanly body and celebrate yourself and not yeah. feel like, oh, I have to be a size two to wear a cute outfit. No, no, you can be whatever size you are and wear what makes you feel good. Yeah, I try to normalize different things, skin issues, 
relationship issues. You know, a lot of people weren't really talking about that when I was, you know, talking about that. So, yeah. You did it before it was a thing. (laughs) I don't know. I did it in public before it was a thing to do in public, I guess. So you, I think, I didn't really get this before, or I didn't make the connection, but I feel like you have kind of always had the audacity to do what other people are not comfortable with. Like you seem like you have always just really embraced yourself and, and been comfortable with putting that out there for people. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, unless you plan on trading in your body or, you know, changing your identity or, you know, whatever, then I think it's important to embrace what you have. Like the other day I had a rash on my face. So I'm going to highlight another part of my body that I really appreciate instead of just being mad about my face. Um, And I think a lot of times people just get down on themselves and say, you know, I don't like this part of me. And then I hate all of me. And I don't think that that. (laughs) So uh, have you always been like that? Like, even when you were a kid, have you always had that confidence and sense of self? I don't think so. No, No. I think it's really only happened since I've been an adult. And gone through the impetus for it. I don't know. I don't know exactly when I changed or, I mean, I know I've always been a creative. I've always been a free spirit. I think that I have not always, uh, sorry, the mailman. Um, (laughs) I have not always looked at life with the same perspective that I look at it now. Um, In the past four years, I think I've grown spiritually. In the last 10 years, I think that I've grown spiritually, but like, um, Yes, and starting my business since meeting so many different types of people. I've opened my mind up to different cultures and different um, habits and things that I think a lot of people don't when they're just like in one place for so long. So, I mean, I can't think of when I started being more like open-minded and optimistic, but, and probably after I started traveling more. So then you were exposed to people outside of, you know, who you grew up around or yeah and I think you appreciate things more and you learn about different types of ways of living and you don't get caught up on small things and um, make a big deal out of small things and yeah I mean it just I think traveling just changes your mind and your outlook on life in general oh agreed a hundred percent and I think sometimes the the thought is like, oh, no, I love this. Why would I ever do anything? Because you know what? Your favorite food might be from a culture you've never heard of. Yeah, and it makes you be more open-minded. I, I moved back to Virginia to work, and I went to a small town in Norfolk, Virginia, and I had tattoos, and everybody at the airport kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And before they actually got to know me, they judged me based on my tattoos, and I think that you just don't realize that there's people out there when you're just in your little bubble that are different and that different is okay. And yeah, it's crazy. So in this, where are we now? So now you, you're growing, you're following, you're teaching in, um, no, now you're on the tour. You're doing the tour. How long was the tour for? So I did the tour for a year. I started in January 2014 and I finished in December and my last state I did was Hawaii. Um, So I did, um, my last three states were actually Puerto Rico. Then I went to Alaska and then I went to Hawaii. Um, And that's where I finished. And I came back home and I did, I was out of money. So I did a 40, I mean, not a 40, I did a finale 
and I had a huge party and we for like four hours did nonstop workouts <laughs> and I raised enough money to then get the deposit for my first studio well my second studio yeah. And that's when you, that was your, oh, no, 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 you said your second studio. Yeah. The first one was about 1,600 square feet. The second one was about 1,200 square feet. Wow. Is that in mm -hmm. Virginia or? Yeah. They were all in Virginia. Okay. So where are we timeline wise? What year is this about? Uh, so we're 2015 now. 2015. <clears throat> okay. So mm -hmm. you're, you have yep. your, your studio doing the classes. Was I know this might sound like an odd question, but did you miss the parking lots when you were in the studio? Um, we still went every now and then outdoors. I would do an outside class if the weather was nice. Um, I didn't miss it because I didn't have to worry about the weather. Because when it rained outside, it kind of was just like, where are we going to go today? And people probably aren't going to come. But for the most part, I really didn't miss it. Um, but we still had days where we went outside and did outdoor workouts. Um, and I actually started screen printing as well when I was on tour and I would come home between cities and I would screen print. So I started that business while I was on tour as well. Um, and I continued that throughout those years. So then I had my gym, I was screen printing, I had DVDs for people that couldn't make it to class. Um, in the beginning I was selling meal plans, but I stopped doing that because there's just so many different dietary restrictions and requirements. But yeah, I was full fledged screen printing and running the gym and, teaching classes. I was up to teaching like four classes a day almost. Was that hard on your body? I would think that it could be very taxing for you physically. No, I started getting massages once a month and I think that helped make me more loosen my muscles up more and got used to doing the, the workouts so much. But no, it wasn't that. I never had any injuries in all the years that I've been teaching. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever notice like a consistency in the type of people who are attracted to your classes? You know, were they ones that maybe wouldn't normally go to fitness classes or wouldn't normally feel comfortable in a gym or was it kind of all kinds? Sorry, I'm muting myself so you don't hear me chewing while you talk on your... You were just eating really quietly. I was like, God, I can't believe I can't hear her. Okay, that makes so much more I'm sense muted. now. <laughs> Um, cause I figured it would still be in your background. Um, no, I didn't have a certain type. I have had all different ages from two year olds to 80 year olds, um, all different ethnicities and backgrounds and nationalities, um, different fitness types. I've had people that do CrossFit that come in. I have had men come in. I've had people, it's their first time working out ever. Um, I've had every type of person come to class before. That's so cool. I imagine you met a lot of different types of people that way too, not just in traveling, but just from the classes themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going well. And then do you mind walking through like the process of when you went to get your, it was just a standard physical, right? Yeah. I hadn't been to the doctor in a long time and I figured I should probably go. <laughs> I feel healthy, but I should probably just go. And, and I went and got a physical and yeah. Um, they came back and told me I got everything done. They asked if I wanted HIV, that I wanted everything. I said yes to the whole thing. And then I got an email on March 12, 2017 that said I was HIV positive. So what was the first thought that went through your mind? Um, the first thought was that I wouldn't be able to have children, that nobody was ever going to want to talk to me or be with me, um, because of this, um, and that kind of sent me into a spiral 
Um, I went to all of my first appointments I was supposed to go to. When you first find out, you go to the health department, they try to track the virus, um, contact the people that you've been in touch with anonymously, let them know they need to get tested. And I was just kind of like a zombie. My sister was really my voice for those first few days because I really couldn't communicate about it at all. I was just in shock. Um, eventually I found the naturopathic doctor that taught me about how to alkalinize my body and um, speak over myself and meditate and do affirmations. And that really kind of gave me hope to move forward without this being something that had to be a negative thing in my life. What you mentioned this earlier, which listeners, I'm just going to tell you now, I, we had an entire conversation that I did not record. So this is actually our second conversation because Estelle is very, very kind to do this. Um, but how far back when the health department is doing their tracing, how far back do they make you go? So they want you to go back five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that it can be dormant in your body for up to seven years but they want you to go back at least five years to communicate with anyone that you've been with intimately. Mm. And so you just, you let them reach out to your partner partners. No, I actually didn't give them any information. I didn't um, provide them with phone numbers or anything. I told those people once I was ready to, um, and I FaceTimed one and then I actually went and flew to the other one and told them face to face. So that's how they found out. I do want to make this abundantly clear to people because again, like we mentioned earlier about a lot of assumptions that are made in the last, the previous five years, there was two partners, just two because, and we had talked about this earlier, just the assumptions that people make or think that, oh, if I've been dating this person for all these years, then I could never test positive. I would never get anything. Or, oh, I'll know by looking at someone whether or not. Did you ever think that? Or did you just, was that just things you'd heard other people say? Yeah, I mean, I was really naive to it. I can say that I was ignorant to a lot of things because I always thought that it had a look, which it does not have a look. Um, people don't unless their levels are so low of their viral count they're not going to look sick they're not going to their skin is going to look clammy and sweaty they're not going to have skin lesions like how you hear that happens to people over time um they're not going to be taking a pill where you're going to see oh maybe if i see someone take a pill i'll know that they're sick and they have something and they're hiding it they can look completely normal and it can be just the one time that you have sex unprotected that you can contract it Uh, it's more common for women to get it from men And it is also more common for African-American women or women of color to attract the virus. Um, It's attracted to a certain protein in the body and men carry that more and um, people of color carry that more. And so that is why we are a higher statistic of contracting the virus. I did not know that. Wow. What were those conversations like with the the two um, partners? Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of said it. I mean, I was more emotional clearly than what I am now because I've been dealing with it for a few years. I've been talking about it more. I'm able to speak about it without getting so emotional. Um, But I kind of just said it. And then they went through their emotions and try to say, oh, you know, it's okay. Like we can still talk, but 
it didn't happen that way. Um, they eventually like slowly went away. One of the guys is actually married now. I found out the other day. Um, so yeah, I mean, they just kind of were like, I'm sorry, this happened to you. And I think people just always say that, but in their mind, they're probably thinking, thank God this isn't happening to me, but it could happen to anybody. So, so yeah. you don't know whether or not it was either of them. No, I have no idea. Nobody's admitted to it or, um, yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Can we talk about what is that like for you? Because I've, I would feel incredibly isolated in that here I am, I have this, I have no idea how, and somebody, whether they know or just, they don't want to know, like, were you angry? Were you sad? I don't think that I was angry because I knew that I was 50% responsible. I also didn't protect myself by asking them to protect themselves or by having the conversation about going to get a test before we got intimate. So I have always taken half of the blame. And I think that that's only fair. Um, but I don't really have any place for anger. I know that it probably sounds crazy, but I wonder every now and then, and I guess it would bring closure or some type of validation to when the events happened or how it transpired, but I don't really dwell on it because it's not really a place of positivity to sit and to rack my brain as to who. And so um, I'm grateful that I don't dwell on it, but it's just something that I don't focus on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop my healing to know who. No. So I just focus on that. Well, and I would think focusing too much on it and the, the anger and all that could actually negatively affect your healing. Yeah, absolutely. So who did you lean on most when you first found out? Uh, my family. My friends were there too, but I think nobody really understands unless they have experienced it before. Um, so, I mean, my family was great support for me, but I don't think anybody could relate. Um, which made it hard. Did you ever feel judged by family? No, never. Really? Yeah, no, never. I think it, that in itself is pretty amazing. Um, I mean, from other people outside of my family, like once they knew, but initially, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how long from when you got your diagnosis to when you decided to essentially go public with it on your Instagram? Um, Probably it had to be at least like maybe like four or five months that I dealt with it without coming, going public. Um, And then I had the opportunity to go to Texas to work for a while. And so I was out there and I was away from my family. I could actually like grieve and cry and process things. And so I did that and I'm like, okay, people are, meeting people and sleeping with them and not thinking that this can happen to them and it can. And so let me share my story and maybe it'll make people wake up a little bit about just having casual sex and not thinking about protecting themselves. How did it feel when you press post? Because it is one thing to have that understanding and that belief that you know you're going to help people and you want to help people, it's a completely different thing to go through with it and to just put something so personal out. I think that my family was more nervous than I was. 
Really? Um, I think that they were more nervous about the backlash and the comments and the hate and just people knowing my business than I was. So for me, it was liberating. I don't know what it was like for them. Maybe embarrassing, maybe um, frustrating. Um, I don't know. But for me, it was it was liberating. I mean, with all due respect to your family, and I don't, I really don't mean any disrespect, but I think it's more important how it was for you. Oh yeah, of course. You know, it's your life, your journey. What was the response like when you first posted? It was very supportive. Everybody that found out that knew me was supportive. Um, But the people that didn't know me, of course, there were comments, but I didn't really read a lot of those comments. And I still to this day haven't read a lot of those comments because they don't have any idea who I am or my lifestyle or day to day. And so I don't think that their opinion even matters. I mean, really nobody else's opinion of me matters. If I'm honest, only my opinion of myself matters, but especially someone who doesn't know me that really didn't even bother me because they didn't know me as a person. So it really invalidated anything they had to say um, negatively. You know, the support was great, but the negative comments, it was, yeah. There's nothing to be gained from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not for you, at least. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think people maybe sometimes pay too much attention to what other people think and focus too much on that and then let it penetrate their mind and then they start thinking, having these insecurities. Um, but I try really hard to not, do, not let other people's opinions of what I do or how I move or what I think or decisions I make or, you know, anything about my lifestyle affect me because I'm the one that's living my life and I know the decisions that I've made and I know the choices that I've made and nothing anybody else can say will really change that for me. What made you, or well, actually not what made you, did it ever occur to you to not continue with your fitness and your classes and this entire lifestyle you'd built? And community. Yeah, so when I found out, I actually had to close my gym because I couldn't pay rent because I was spending so much money on my holistic care. So I closed my gym without being able to tell my members why. I just told them that I was leaving town for a while. And then eventually, when I did post on Instagram, I sent all of them a private email just to let them know as my members. Um, as well as I tried to talk to as many of my family members as I could before I went public. Um, but I did stop teaching for a long time. I wasn't motivated. I stopped my, um, I had a program called skip the drop where people had what size color they wanted in each item every single month. And I would screen print and send it to them. I stopped that. Um, I kind of shut down mentally, physically, emotionally. I just kind of stopped doing everything. Um, not taking care of myself and my health as much. I was eating a lot more. I was still plant-based, but I was eating a lot more junk, (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I stopped teaching it and, and all of that. Can, thank you for saying that. Cause I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to lose weight. So I'm going to go plant-based. No, no. You can still eat a lot of junk food. That's plant-based. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can have way too much bread. <laughs> um, so then how long was that? How long was it before you decided to get back into, I think before even teaching, when did you start wanting to put more emphasis on your self-care again? I don't know the exact dates, but I want to say it was a few months after I got to Texas. I ended up living with my, one of my friends and her family out there. And 
I was just going to work and coming and sleeping and going work, coming home and sleeping. I wasn't really participating in things I would normally be doing, being active in my business and things like that. And so um, a few months at least, and then I finally got a kick in my butt. And I'm like, you know, I got to start taking care of myself again. But I still wasn't consistently working out even after um, I restarted. I, I started doing classes again, but I wasn't, I was, it wasn't the same. And so I ended up really getting consistent again with um, after COVID in March of this year. And I started teaching in May consistently classes again. But before that, I wasn't teaching. I was doing just random pop-up classes. And yeah, now that I think about it, I took a few years off from actually working out. But was it just you needed time to... I wasn't motivated. I wasn't motivated to get up and to work out and to to take care of myself. What made you, what was that kick in the butt? Like you mentioned, was it one or was it kind of a, a process? Um, I think probably every time I got undressed and I'm like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, or my clothes got tighter and tighter. And I was just like, what am I doing to myself? Like I'm letting myself go again. So yeah, but it wasn't just like one thing that catapulted it. It was just me knowing that I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. So what has it been like since getting back into doing the classes and, and, and taking care of yourself the way you want to? Um, it's been amazing. It's, it makes me wonder, I don't know how I stopped or how I survived once I stopped because it's so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been one of the best things that I could have ever done for myself is to get back into it. Have you had a lot of people reach out to you since your diagnosis to share theirs or to connect with you? Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest um, rewards for me sharing my story publicly is to have people that reach out to me. Not that I want this to happen to anyone, but <clears throat> I'm happy to be a place of refuge for people that find out and don't know what to do next. Um or don't know how to feel or don't know how, what their life is going to look like a year from their diagnosis or two years from their, di- their diagnosis. It's nice to be able to say, okay, well, I mean, I got through it and it took a while, but you can smile again and you can live, you know, again and, and enjoy things. And it's possible. What made you decide to take the naturopathic route 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 route? <laughs> we'll go with route. Um, I wasn't taking medicine before my diagnosis for anything really. Maybe if I had a headache, I would take maybe a Tylenol, but I never really was excited about taking antibiotics because then you have a whole set of issues that then come from taking antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And so I really avoided most medication because of the side effects. And when I found out, I actually had a vision when the first day that I found out that I was going to be healed Um, but it was going to be from like a shaman or like someone in like another country. And I knew that there were, well, I guess I was powered more by the thought that I could get the virus out of my body. And that was um, a stronger desire than to not be on medication. It was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to get rid of this? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of what do I need to do to treat this? I want to get rid of this. So that's what I focused on. And also the medications have a lot of side effects. They do save lives. And I know that I don't take them for granted that they even exist. And, but I a hundred percent believe that there's a lot of things that can be avoided taking for such a long period of time. 
if I can do plant-based for 10 years and then only need that for the rest of my life or so on, you know, whatever, if I even need that, I would rather do that as opposed to being on medication for 20 years or 30 years um, and doing damage to my body and other organs because every medication has a side effect. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same way with supplements. Supplements usually only have benefits. And so I didn't want to have to deal with the long-term side effects of being on the antiretrovirals for years. What are some of like the, the, your go-to supplements? What are ones that are the most powerful? So I have actually them right here because I take them every day. This one is oregano oil. Oh, I've heard of this. Okay. A small bottle like this is about $25 and it's really potent. You can just drop it under your tongue or in water. I take um, echinacea every day. And then I take this one. This is elderberry. Oh. Um, and um, I take a slippery elm bark. A lot of the tree barks powdered are very powerful herbs to cleanse your body and cleanse your blood. So like spearmint, um, leaf, um, white oak bark, um, butternut bark, all of those powdered are really powerful supplements. Wasn't that very common with um, in Native American culture? Didn't they use a lot of bark for healing? Yeah, a lot of it originates from um, Eastern medicine and Native American medicine. Um, a lot of the smudging and uh, using the earth as our healer and as our medicine. So absolutely. Now, have you gotten a lot of flack or... I don't know if you want to say hater comments about that. The fact that you have taken the naturopathic route. Yes, absolutely. But I also have an opinion about people who don't. So I think that that goes both ways and it's, I'm not here to tell anybody how to treat their body. And so I don't think anybody else has a right to tell me how to do that. I know what's best for me. And I just, I mean, even if you don't, agree with it or, you know, fight against it or say things, it doesn't change the way that I feel and doesn't change what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I respect that. Plus, well, not to be vulgar. Oh, I don't know if the children are there, but I was going to say opinions are like an a-hole. Okay, good. Everybody's got one. Yeah. So um, too often, I think people let that direct, lets other people's opinions direct which way they move and their life and which direction and it's not always the best for them because you know what's best for you and you may switch up just because you feel like people are looking at you weird or thinking you're doing something weird but if it feels right to you you should always do that what would you say like if you could be there with yourself when you open that email saw the diagnosis where you are now mentally physically at this stage in your journey, what would you say to yourself? I would probably say hold on tight because it's going to be a rough ride and it's going to get worse before it gets better. What was the getting worse before it got better? Just coping with? Yeah, finding out, accepting, um, being a stereotype, having a stigma over your head. Um yeah, feeling like your life is changing and you could have prevented it, but you didn't. Um, yeah, all of that, the anger, different stages. A lot, yeah. 
Really? Not anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's natural to think, okay, I could have just easily done something to protect myself and I didn't because I didn't think it could happen to me. Um, yeah, you get angry at everybody. You get angry at God. You get angry at people for not educating you. <laughs> I mean, you get angry with yourself for not knowing. You get angry at people for not telling you what was going on with them or who they slept with before you. You get angry at yourself for not asking those questions. Um, yeah, all that. And how do you feel now about, I guess, the situation in general and just life? Um, I take it day by day, but um, I would rather move forward than to fall backwards and mm-hmm. to just stop. So I just kind of wake up and have pep talks with myself each day and say, you got this, you can do it. And let's try it again. And (laughs) like, that's just every day. I think that there's probably a lot of people following you, myself included, who have, who get a lot of inspiration just from watching you put yourself out there over and over because you could have, you know what, you could have just as easily gone public with your diagnosis and then just never posted again and said, all right, I'm done. Like I'm out. I'm not, putting myself out there anymore after this, that was it. Like mic drop, I'm gone. And instead you kept showing up and you have been so open and honest about your entire journey. I just think that's amazing. And I think it's very rare. Obviously it's rare, but I just wonder how many lives you've impacted that you don't know. I'm sure that people reach out, but I just wonder how many you will never know. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a lot. It would probably be an interesting poll to, they have I helped you in which aspect of your life, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like I'm talking to that many people when I post. It feels like I'm just saying something and maybe one person will hear it. So now what is, um, what does your fitness business look like now? Um, so now I'm doing live stream classes on Zoom five days a week and I'm screen printing doing life coaching so I have small groups and then I have one-on-one that I do life coaching um sessions with and that is kind of my daily norm right now do you enjoy it absolutely if I didn't I would stop (laughs) it's true if I if I hadn't figured anything else that's true I should know that (laughs) what do you what do you want to see your, or where do you want to see yourself in a year, in five years? Um, I mean, I don't really have many goals for like my business, I guess. Overall, I would like to see myself maybe in a um, container home or somewhere near the beach, um, business just continuing. I don't necessarily need it to grow. I don't need to be the biggest and the best and the baddest. Just continuing to do what it's doing right now is my only wish. And is that just, you, you have, um, I know you said you have the, um, the coaching. I don't know if that was from this conversation or previous, but <laughs> just in case, I know we didn't talk about in depth this one. Can you talk about what you, what you go over in your coaching with your, your, um, I don't know, students, members? Yeah. I mean, I'm just an accountability partner for people. I think that somebody just needs someone to hold them accountable for, reaching their results and maintaining their goals. So that's kind of what I do with the life coaching. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest hangups that you encounter in those coaching sessions? Um, People saying they want to change, but not really be willing to make the 
the changes, like make the change their behaviors in order to see the change. Um, there's things that, you know, you need to do consistently if you want to see change in your life, if you want to let go of trauma. And some people may say, okay, I want to get rid of this, but not be ready to make those changes. So I think that's probably the most common thing. What is something you would have to do consistently to get rid of trauma? Big one. Like I can, I understand like, oh, if you want to lose weight, you drink a lot of water, you, you know, work out or you're active, but trauma is a, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, letting go of anger. Um, a lot of people don't want to forget what happened or forgive the person that happened that did something to them. But if you don't ever forgive that person, then you're not going to continue to let go of it. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to sit down and have a conversation. And forgiveness doesn't mean that what the person did is okay. It just means that you're forgiving them so that you can move on. And a lot of people are not ready to do that. Did you have to do that with those those two got the the partners yeah absolutely yeah i didn't have any room to be mad at them because that's just that's not a productive emotion Mm -hmm. i mean i think for a lot of reasons you would be a great coach just because i don't know that anybody could come to you and say well you've never dealt with this situation or you don't know how i feel no i think you have a pretty good understanding of how they might feel yeah yeah, I have I had a lot of experiences, wanted and unwanted. What would you say um, to a person who's listening to this right now? And maybe they, they have not gotten any diagnosis, but they're going through some situation where they don't know if they can go for other things they love and want in their life because of this one thing, whatever that one thing might be. What would you say to that person? I would say to continue to believe in yourself the minute that you start thinking that you can't do it or that it's not possible is when you're not going to be successful. So if you think you can do it, then go for it and don't be afraid to fail um, because you can always start over. Novel concept there. (laughs) Thank you for doing this again, two, two times in a row. No problem at all. Are you currently taking new clients? Um, can anybody enroll in the class from wherever they live? Yeah, the first through third of each month. You can sign up for the Sweat Small Groups as well as for the live stream. Um, and then throughout the month, I take life coaching clients. Okay, good. All right, so everybody, yeah. I'm going to have that in the show notes. So thank you so much. I really You're welcome. If you found this episode to be valuable uh, and something that someone you know could really stand to listen to or to hear, whether it's just the inspiration from Estelle taking those leaps of faith to start a business from a parking lot, multiple uh, parking lots, to the way that she responded to her diagnosis. Please share this episode. And please go show her some love on Instagram and follow her because you will not regret it. She is a light and positive person to follow. And goodness knows we need more of those in social media. Thank you to Estelle for coming on the show. Please write a review on whatever platform you choose to listen to this podcast.